0: The Performers Pod. I am your host, Chelsea Poe. Um, this whole podcast is basically giving us space for porn performers to talk about all the crazy things about our industry, both very positive, negative, real issues, mundane, boring. I kind of want to go into all of it. Um, today's guest is my dear friend, Mistress Katie Kanako. Um, If you want to support the pod, you can become a monthly member of my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash chelsea poe. So a little bit about Mistress Kanako. She is a professional dominatrix born and raised in Tokyo, Japan. Um, We talked to her about her decision to bring her experience as a dominatrix to film during the pandemic. Um, And we go into her smash hit film, Tatami. I cannot suggest picking up Tatami enough, it screened during one of our AVN screenings of *East Bay Brats*, and I think the moment this podcast is over, you should check out *Tatami*. It is truly my favorite BDSM film I've seen this year. I hope you enjoy our talk and buy that one. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much kanako for joining us um for this podcast this is my second podcast with the performers pod with chelsea poe yeah. and I'm really excited to talk to you because we've worked together in some capacities a few times you helped me look screenings in the past um i believe you were actually a cam client at one point on king client that you're like i feel like all the camp clients ever have are like can i ever meet you never be friends with you and I'm like there is one person ever who's that happened with. So so where are you from? Um, How did you get into the industry?
2: Um, Well I am originally from Japan and I still live in Japan Um, and I moved to the U.S. for college and graduate school Mm -hmm. and I think That period was when I was really able to explore my sexuality and interest in sexuality, as well as, you know, being a porn consumer or someone who finds performers that you really like and you really want to support their work. And I specifically came across you via Tumblr. Um, I think there were like a photo set shot in Courtney, our
1: beloved
2: Courtney Trouble yeah.
1: Studio. Courtney's name comes a lot, comes up a lot in this podcast. So <laughs> it's a recurring theme.
2: Well, she's mama bear for all of us, citizens. Yeah. So, um, and then I found out, you know, you were. A performer, but I think you were doing more cam work at that point, if I'm not mistaken, Yeah,
0: when I've
2: I... like never been in a cam room, I was never, I've never cammed myself, mm-hmm. so I was just like, okay, well, there's two ways I can interact with this person. I could, you know, send you like a fan message and be like, oh my God, I'm your fan. Or I could interact with you as a fan slash consumer and actually be able to, I mean, I don't want to sound all uppity about it, but financially support someone I'm a fan of.
1: Yeah.
2: And, then I realized, okay, well, this is really cool because I was actually able to talk to you, which was not something I expected. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first interaction with you and my first interaction with people who, like my real interaction with people who are performers. Wow, I did not know that. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew people who were in porn, but I didn't really know-know them or establish Mm -hmm. a friendship, per se. So I went in, and, you know, we had some, like, we were talking, and then we were talking off, like, the cam site, and then next thing you know, you're in Tokyo, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm hosting your screening for your film, so the rest yeah. is history. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's truly like one of the cool experiences that we were able to do that in Tokyo. And
2: yes, that yes. was
1: a wild screening for so many reasons that we mm-hmm. can't go into, but um, yeah, so like, what were you like doing before you got into like? porn and sex work in general, like, you, were you, like, really involved with, like, the punk scene in Tokyo? Were you, like, what were your influences that made you even, like, interested enough to go to a campsite?
2: Well, I was really interested in human sexuality and gender from a really early age, and Mm -hmm. sex work was a part of that as well. So, you know, I was just, I had this like, I just had information you could read out of books, like even Mm -hmm. historical things I found interesting. But out of that, I, I, I didn't really have the opportunity, especially because of my age, to interact with someone who's in the industry per se. And I was just this weird art kid that went to art school. And, you know, before that, I was just an academic, if anything. And Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of research, um, got to interview a lot of people and stuff like that. But it was after finishing school and coming back to Tokyo, where I initially started off as a translator for uh, rope bondage classes for private lessons, and one of the riggers told me, Oh, you should really look into being a dominatrix, I can see you being really successful. But at that point, I think I still had some trepidations and um. To put it really crass, like I didn't have the balls to jump in.
1: Yeah, um, it's a big step from being a translator <laughs> on set to being dumb.
2: Right. And, you know, I was always into BDSM in my private life, but at that point, my partner at that point was not very into the idea of me taking it as a profession. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I understand their viewpoint, but at the same time, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. I would hope that if you're my partner, you would want to support that decision. And so my first step was working at a BDSM slash fetish theme bar Mm -hmm. and after a certain point, I thought, I'm kind of tired of just being a dom at a bar. I want to take it more seriously. I want to take it a step further. And at that point, I was single. And I'm one of those very fortunate people who I could, you know, tell my mom, hey, I'm doing this professionally and more or less full time now. So I joined a club, which would equate to a dungeon in the US or any other country. Mm -hmm. And then ever since, I've just been working as a professional Dom. And then I never imagined myself to become a content creator. Um, but I befriended Axel Abyss, who is my uh, performance partner in Tokyo. We do uh, live BDSM shows here and there.
1: That's so cool.
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, he, and he is a full-time performer now because back then he was just uploading content for free because, you know, he was like, oh, I didn't think I could do this professionally. And he got some advice that, no, you should not be uploading this for free, the the sharks are going to be all over this and you're not getting the compensation that you deserve. So he took it seriously. And, you know, I was still doing performances, I was still doing session work, but the pandemic happened and everything just changed. So I had to quickly shift gears and adapt and wonder, how can I translate what I do in sessions and performances and bring it onto Uh, like the digital sphere or something that people can consume even though they're not in an in-person session or audience um, at a show and I've also had the privilege of performing at Folsom twice and that was such a great um, ego boost and also it just gave me more uh, confidence that okay I can do this but when it came to translating that into content I was still a little you know unsure or lost or I just didn't know how I could do it
0: mm-hmm.
2: but fortunately enough I had people like Axel I had people like Hinako who co-stars with me and Tatami which
1: is amazing and that's <laughs> yeah. exactly the reason why i was immediately like you need to be one of the first people I interview because Aww. if you're working your first like debut film for trouble to so tommy it's so amazing and it's so hardcore yeah i didn't yeah. realize it until watching it during um the east bay on the screenings and i was just like freaking out and all of us were and that that's your first real production i mean yeah I that was that was
2: Literally my first real production, um, and you know that's kind of stuff I do normally in a <laughs> session if somebody's uh, wants me to do stuff that they that I did to. Uh, well, I was playing with Yoshi in that mm-hmm. um, scene, but. So through that, I was also able to befriend Yoshi, who is probably one of the very few Asian male gay performers that's made a name of him for himself. I'm um, Yoshi Cor- Kalazaki, right? Mm-hmm. 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 So here I had this veteran super experienced performer and he's like oh you know we have our protocols and everything but do what you may and let's make this happen so i was very very fortunate in that sense so we did that and since then of course i've done stuff that's solo or i've shot like short clips and stuff um during in-person sessions and they're all on my only fans but um yeah that's really my path into becoming a performer slash content creator
1: do you think if the pandemic didn't happen do you think he would have would be doing porn right now
2: honestly i don't know because I have a sneaky feeling that I think that the last time I was in um, the West Coast hanging out with you and Courtney, we we're saying, oh, next time we meet, we should, you know, make <laughs> a film. And I was like, yes, I would love that. And then the pandemic happened. So, of course, no Folsom, no travel. Yeah. And that didn't happen but I think that if the pandemic wasn't a thing or it didn't happen I, I may have been a performer in that way um, but if I were in Japan and the pandemic wasn't a thing I have my doubts about being a performer or being any sort of digital content creator um, simply because it wasn't something that I had in mind, or I had any experience in.
1: Is there a moment that, so far from your performing, that really made you realize that this is probably going to be something more than just like a scene or two, in something kind of more substantial?
2: Um, well, definitely with the feedback I got from. Tatami um, you know for me that's something I do normally so yeah. <laughs> you know I was like uh, people might like it people might hate it and um, and then Axel when he put it up on his website he had a mixed bag of reviews because his audience is predominantly gay men. Yeah. And like we don't want to see women in a scene. And then but he also got uh positive reviews about this was not something I would have expected for you to produce. It's so queer. It's hardcore.
1: It's very both,
2: it very clear, and like hardcore. Yes, like. yes. So, <laughs> yeah, and then because of that, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I could take things even further. And I just love, you know, playing with people that I haven't played with or people who've, um, you know, just... Uh, I have the right chemistry with. So Yoshi and I shot another um, scene together that's coming up soon. But I think that as long as I'm 100% invested in it and I believe in the project and I have someone to perform with, I think it could be something that's um, a long-term that happens Mm -hmm. Um, especially because I also am lucky enough to know people who can uh, record edit my live performances and those are really like in the moment like there's no cut stop can you move this way move that way it's more of like the camera work and editing that does everything so yeah where
1: you're shooting really organically so it's just exactly. like basically the scene happening mm-hmm. I, yeah That's I so really hard. admire like what you're saying is it sounds like you're really shooting what you're actually what you're actually doing in your like daily life essentially right right but right I feel like that just really comes across to people and like porn where like if they see you enjoying what you do and you just being natural because it's what you do. I feel like Mm -hmm. it really comes across. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then that's what I really aim to do when I'm producing content. I don't want to force myself to do something or if I feel uncomfortable about something, I, I know that that's just gonna come out or be super obvious. For the viewers, so in that sense I've really stuck to what I love and what I'm used to and what I believe in so I think that's always been the upside for me when I'm producing stuff. That's so
1: cool. Um, what usually goes into preparing for a scene for you? Like Like, how do you get prepared to get into that headspace? Because you do some fairly extreme stuff in the scenes, like, in Satami, you're, like, (laughs) fisting an asshole and then, like, um, making a boy piss from fisting his asshole. Mm -hmm. And, like, all, like, the sadistic stuff on top of rope bondage and, like, all this stuff that, Mm -hmm. even for someone who's, like, a really big, like, BDSM slut myself, it's Mm -hmm. almost like, oh, my God, that's so wild and out there. And i really love it and i love that i can see porn that does that to me but like how do you prepare for that
2: well i have to credit yoshi on the pissing (laughs) (laughs) because we had like a brief you know run through of where in the we shot in this old house that was going to be torn down so we did a short Run through of okay, we're we're gonna shoot here. This is where we should set everything up. This is where we're gonna block ourselves. And then while doing that, Yoshi is like says super polite. He's like almost apologizing to me. Like I pee when I'm fisted, and I, it feels really good. So I'm really sorry if I get piss on you. <laughs> so I was like no worries babe I've like experienced way worse it's all good and almost um you know it's not even when the camera starts rolling it's more like once I'm playing my headspace is already in there so knowing that he pisses a lot when he's in like a very ecstatic headspace i was just almost super determined to make (laughs) it as much as he could in that weird sense so i was like i i saw some trickling out and i'm like oh i'm just gonna take this to the like whole other level because obviously i want him to enjoy the whole play aspect of it, and then of for people to see, okay, yeah, this is what some people experience or some, what happens to some people when they're playing, so that was very organic, and in that sense, I think when I shoot, when I perform, everything's very organic, um, even when I do live performances, I don't do... Um, I don't really practice at all. I just do like a run through of the music and I give notes or pointers to um, whoever's subbing for me. I'm probably gonna Mm -hmm. be doing this, this, and this, and this to you. And if you have any problems, just give me hand signals, whatever else I can stop, I can untie you. Um, I'll do whatever that has to be done. So that's pretty much how I get into it and prepare.
1: I love that there's a space with this podcast where I can talk about this thing, stuff with performers. Both and one, like the con- consent thing you were talking about, how that mm-hmm. stuff happens even during really intense scenes where there's this mm-hmm, communication. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a way to get out is your way over your head you're in danger all that stuff but you have that like true like I feel like some performers have this like porn killer mindset where it's like oh they said they do this when they come so I'm gonna make them do that as much as possible and Mm -hmm. go into the scene with that mindset
2: yeah I I think it was also that that comes from me being a professional dom you know particularly um because when you're in a session, you have a limited time to make things happen Mm -hmm. and for your sub or client to be able to experience what you can offer. So when Yoshi told me that, I was thinking to myself, that was our first time playing with each other. So I wanted him to leave having fun and Mm -hmm. I'm just you know in that mindset of like okay I'm gonna not push the limits maybe I wouldn't say I was trying to push the limits but I want to see how far I can take it and I want to see how far I could take him to that spot that really blanks out his head and he's just consumed in what we're doing together as well as um, our other uh, stars and just make that whole field happen all at once.
1: That's so cool. Um, yeah, that's why I love and so much because in these scenes Mm-hmm. you're obviously working with a co-worker who you assign all the stuff to but like you're also both getting in each other's heads in the middle of this and you're both having mm-hmm. to like react to each other and have all that and I think that's like one of the things that keeps bringing you back to the SM me because obviously there's really probably extreme connections even on probably mainstream sets in like LA and stuff that happen mm-hmm. and you know during a middle of a scene I'm sure it gets very passionate and it's that same, like, working with each other's bodies. But I feel like BDSM, there's just such a deep thing to abuse. Both top space and subspace exist.
0: Mm-hmm, it's the real mm-hmm. thing you get in a
1: scene, even though, you know, you're performing in a film. It's not, quote-unquote, real, but it also kind of is. Do right,
2: you- and I think that um, for certain people or... <clears throat> Certain subs I've interacted with, uh, for Yoshi and Axel, for example, I feel like they can really get into their subspace and I can really get into my top space. Whereas, um, you know, sometimes in sessions, that unfortunately doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not either party's fault it just didn't happen it might not have you know somebody something might have happened to that person that day or someone's nervous and I mean I think the same goes for when you're shooting for a scene but I think uh with working with people I know and people who have I've been able to establish a personal connection with, the likelihood of them being able to get into that mind space, and for me to be in the best of that mind space for me is way, um, the likelihood's way higher for sure. Yeah, I'm really happy we could
1: get into that. I. It's kind I of like about just being able to have conversations with performers because I feel like we usually don't have time to talk about performing and all the stuff that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And that's just like not really a thing that's vocalized because I feel like how much it means impress is so sensationalized how they want to talk about porn, where they're like, oh, you're having anonymous sex with these people you just met. And it's like, right. it's not really bad. Yeah, right. Even if you're just being someone on set, it's not a hookup kind of vibe right. to it. It's like, okay, right. we're working we have this common end goal and we're both going to perform with each other's bodies essentially. And, you know, they can be a thing. Do you have
2: Um, a... Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. And also it's like, yeah, you haven't seen the times that we just like hang out, well pre-corona at events together or we go out to dinners together and there's nothing sexual about that because we're good friends but as performers we that friendship probably really helps because we just have that personal connection and I think even with you know someone you're meeting for the first time there may be like a right chemistry or like something clicking that Mm -hmm. you're able to make that happen. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. The perception is it's like, oh, it's like a random hookup and oh, no, it's a very planned, (laughs) um, very, um, you know, we're all about consent and safety, especially with what we do. So. You know, we take all the precautions, but in the end, um, sometimes we end up with something that's way more hardcore than we expected. And with the next scene I shot with Yoshi, which is just Mm one-on-one, it was just going to be like a humiliation scene, but we managed to bring out a whole bunch of um, (laughs) tricks and things that I like to do personally and then before I knew it you know like Yoshi was really into it as well so it all panned out so I'm excited for that to get out
1: to the world as well. Yeah I feel like so much of porn it's um it almost reminds me of like UFC or boxing in a way where you know who you're going to have sex with a month in advance. And, like, you're following each other on social media and stuff. It feels like that. It's, like, it is, like, it's, I feel like UFC stuff. It's, like, it is two guys fighting, but it's also, like, they plan this for two months together, and they're both a part of this. It feels a little bit like that, where you have this, like, really drawn-out thing where you have on your calendar, you're, like, I'm going to have sex with this person or dominate this person or whatever else, where in a lot of ways, like, no one has hookups that are like that. Like, I feel like most people don't have a plan to have sex with someone two, three months in advance.
2: Right. right.
1: In yeah. Right. Um, do you have like a dream scene that you want to shoot?
2: Um, well, I think that I've yet to shoot anything that's with that's only with women and especially after um being able to be a part of the screening of east bay brats i was like holy shit this is amazing it's like all these is like beautiful people getting together like And for me, that's pretty hardcore, Um, I think, especially when I'm talking about mainstream market-wise, most girl-on-girl stuff is made for the male gaze, so it's not really hardcore unless it's under a specific hardcore label that's producing that um, scene. So I would love to shoot something super hardcore um, that's with uh, other women who are, you know, open to performing with me. Uh, That's, you know, that might sound like a little, um, not that huge of an idea, but I'm really,
1: I would be very interested to do that. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to get the opportunity to, I think. After, like, people see what you've made already, I think a lot of people <laughs> are going to be like, okay, I'm done for that. <laughs> Whatever you're... Yeah,
2: like, taking an application. <laughs> Ready to fill out applications here.
1: <laughs> 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 Do you feel like you have um, more opportunities in Japan porn-wise or in the United States, or does it feel kind of A little
2: bit of both? I think a little bit of both Um, just because I have the privilege of knowing people like you and Courtney who are very understanding and open and appreciate the stuff that I want to create and I'm also privileged here to know filmmakers and performers such as Axel, Yoshi, and Hinako who create superb work on their own time by themselves. So I mean, I don't want to say I have the connections, but I I very much do. Yeah,
1: you do though. You can say that if it's true.
2: Yes, I. It, yeah. it, like you know, I know the people, and I think the great thing that I have is that I have like a personal connection to all of you guys, um, rather than just like a business based. Oh, I want to film this. Can you help me? Kind of. Yeah. You know, thing going on. So in that sense, I'm very lucky um in both countries and it's just a matter of uh, legality that might get in the way um in either country but i mean as long as i'm given the opportunity i'm open and happy and excited to perform um produce in Anywhere really.
1: So I think if you um got your stuff into like the Berlin Form Film Festival, I think Berlin would really like what you're doing.
2: I hope so. I hope they do. Too. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think I think they would definitely like that. I feel like in a lot of ways, Berlin and Tokyo's fetish vibe is a little uh-huh. bit of the same where it's just like very, very kind of everywhere and very hardcore, just kind of mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. from the jump. Right. Uh, do you have a favorite place to shoot? Um, like do you like shooting more in Tokyo? Do you like shooting more in LA? Do you like the Bay?
2: So when it comes to um video or scenes, I've never really shot in the States minus um like the short scene I did with Courtney. Oh yeah. Her place. So um I'd love to have more experience shooting in the U.S., Um, especially after seeing what was pulled off in East Bay Brats 3. I was like, wait, I've had a session in there.
1: Oh, yeah. Why does
2: that space look so huge and so, you know, beautiful? I don't remember it being like that. I mean, given it is a very pretty space, I was like, I don't, I, I didn't see it in that light, and how, whatever magic you all pulled, <laughs> I'm like, I want to shoot in a space like that,
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, like, it's fun, yeah. um, it's a really great dungeon in the East Bay, I, yeah, very affordable, they really want mm-hmm. people to work there and make stuff there, which is really cool, right, like, so many dungeons you go into you're like the first person shooting anything there it's just like oh this is just session stuff for everyone else
0: mm-hmm, and then you're mm-hmm. like
1: bringing in camera equipment and they're like oh what is this
0: right like i've had, had a cool. lot of
1: experiences in the bay with that but um yeah i absolutely love Blackthorn. and i'm really excited to get back there and yeah it's i think just a really feasible thing when you can get a few sex workers together and you can really cut down overhead you mm-hmm. can just consistently make something that you all really want to do and all be on the same page. It's
0: mm, honestly, yeah. one of the things
1: I'm most proud of, just because it's like, we just did it on our own, supposed opposed to like waiting for a studio to, right. you know, be like, we're going to hire you to make a lesbian movie and it has to be four men and it can't have fat people in it or it can't have trans people in it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were just like, fuck it. We're going to do it.
2: <laughs> right. And I mean, I don't want to, sound like I'm fetishizing trans performers, but I haven't had the opportunity to perform with trans performers either. So that would be like another experience I would love to have, Um, especially, you know, me being a queer person. I've had relationships with trans people and you know, I've played with trans people mm-hmm. and I would love to, like I said, translate what I actually do in my private life or my professional life onto, into a scene. So, you know, that would, that would be another thing I would love to do. Um, and yeah. I feel like with performers a lot of performers here that are booked uh, with agencies and stuff like that it's very hard for them to create indie content or just create content you know by yourself so it's a little harder for me to find talent that way
1: yeah, can you speak so, to that a bit? Like, how does the porn agency system work in Japan? Like, is most most models, from my understanding, are represented by agencies, right?
2: Yes, yes, for the most part, um, it's agencies, and then uh, you usually there's labels that work closely with the agencies, mm-hmm. and then they have. Um, you know, the whole management and everything, line everything up for everyone. And for me, I I did like uh, my first feature with a sub, but that was more, um, you know, the production companies more concentrated on BDSM content so it was more of them wanting to bring real professional doms and it was cool because they're like oh we just need you to write the scenes down and write what you're going to be doing so we can operate our cameras accordingly. Wow. So that was a great um, process but um, other than that, if, if it's mainstream stuff, I don't even know how I'd wrap my head around it just because of the whole um, having to deal with agencies, having to de- deal with labels and distributors and all that, which I feel like is a little bit similar to how porn is produced in the US when it comes to. In, in
1: LA, I think specifically. Yeah. I feel like just what it feels like in the United States is it feels like agencies exist but there's only like four or five of them. Mm-hmm. From my understanding they're all in LA and then it's, these performers have their careers really restricted where you can only work mm. with certain people and then you can not do content trade or if you do content trade you can do with certain types of people and stuff. Right, right, um, right. So it sounds like it's almost that but more concentrated in Japanese porn.
2: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it might It might be. It's just very, if you want your porn to be mainstream, it becomes, it's basically everything's out of your hands um, here. And I think that's very much so in the U.S. as well. So, um, you know, if I were to proceed, as a performer or a producer of content, I'd rather stay in the indie model where I could have everything under my control, make um, content for trade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like having control of what I produce and having it distributed by people that I think are a great match and that's another reason why i knew that if i wanted to bring tatami out on the next level i would wanted to <clears throat> approach trouble films cuz i'm like where else would i take this
1: <laughs> yeah i feel like the really good thing trouble films has been able to do is really just take performers who are making stuff on their own Mm -hmm. And have, like, full-fledged ideas for films. And we really, I feel like, have had a place to have a platform with it and be like, okay, you can have your movie up here. You know, it's queer as hell. It's really hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I also feel like one of the major differences differences between porn in the U.S. and porn in Japan is I feel like there's a lot more focus on BDSM in Japanese forms.
2: Um, yeah, I think there's there's a huge market for BDSM porn here. And some of it is like the you know, you, you watch it and it's like this is not BDSM kind of porn versus mm-hmm. like the real like hardcore stuff. Um and my rope teacher, he does a lot of tying for that kind of porn that where mm-hmm. it's super hardcore. Um And in the earlier days, he'd actually appear in them because they just didn't or couldn't find actors that could pull it off. Um, But nowadays, he's just like, oh, yeah, I do the tying and I'll just, like, sit back and be, like, the guy in charge making sure everything's safe and the actor would come in and act as if he did everything and (laughs) torture or um play with uh the other performer so it's it's very um interesting to see like the types of bdsm and hardcore content that comes out of here for sure
1: yeah i feel like in the united states we have maybe four companies that make BDSM and like two of them are only kind of BDSM. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I definitely feel like it's just like, there and Germany, it's just like, there's so much actual BDSM mm-hmm. that just like going there, I'm just like mind blown just being like, I mean, you took me to a porn store in Tokyo and it's just like racks and racks of BDSM. I right, even, right. Like the most kinky sex shop in like the United States, like I would say probably, the Kiki of Chains, probably the pleasure chest. They have like maybe 12 DVDs. Right. It's just so different. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, that, so, that place is special. But yeah, I mean, the fact that there's a place like that in our country.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and of course, there's always the internet too, because, you know, they can sell the stuff on the internet. <laughs> So um, yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying.
1: Um, what are some of your weirdest industry experiences, good, bad, or otherwise? Which it could <laughs> go back to just like being a dom too. I feel like, because I feel like you've always had some sort of performative aspect to your.
2: Right, right. I think that. Um. I think one of my weirdest um, experiences was that when I was starting off professionally, I was like, oh, I don't wanna be a performer. That's not what I'm interested in, you know? But then when I was put in positions where um, I had to do performances Um, when I worked in the BDSM bar, for example, when we had our anniversary event, all the staff had to perform and do a little performance together. And I was supposed to tie this girl, but the stage hand um, removed the rope from the stage thinking that someone just left it there by mistake I was like fuck like what am I gonna do there I have like five minutes to fill (laughs) and all I have is my single tail so I had to like whisper in her ear and like pretend to be all like sexy about it and be like somebody like got rid of the rope I have to like use my single tail instead (laughs) and she's like just go with it and then I like pulled it off somehow and in my mind I'm like oh my god that was so embarrassing but on the way out everyone was like oh you did such a great job like that was such a good like scene or like and I'm like and there was something really cathartic about that too and I'm like Huh, I guess like being a theater kid in high school really pulled off.
1: <laughs> it truly, it truly does. I took theater for a year in high school and it helps me so much now where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I know how to memorize lines and just like improvise and take right, up exactly, time. Right, exactly.
2: It's so helpful. I mean, you know, um, in, in my context where I think, you know, even for you, like if it's BDSM, of course you need that consent, so I'm like, consent in front of the audience and make it look real sexy yeah that was like a really weird experience for me because usually when I'm like talking about consent I want to do it where we're both um not in subspace top space and like even with sessions I usually start with sitting down and asking about okay, what are you okay with? What do you absolutely hate while you're playing? Stuff like that. But I have this girl tied up and like half suspended. And I'm like, I need your consent right now. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully, like she was um, experienced too. So she was like, do what you need to do. (laughs) So I
1: got Okay, um, do you have anyone weird or anything weird in your DMs from the past? I'm really anxious for you because I feel like you are one to sometimes post the people that send you shit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, what do you- is there anyone who would be, like, shocking that was in your DMs or anything just generally really weird that's remarkable?
2: Um, oh my god. I've gotten a lot of marriage proposals
1: yeah
2: (laughs) but they're all like i read them and they're like i will be your full-time live-in sub but i wouldn't need a visa so please marry me and i'm like oh
1: oh my god
2: like really dude like i i do not need first of all i don't like people touching my laundry really (laughs) it's like I can do my own laundry I can clean my own house if I choose to so you can back off (laughs) wow but um one amazing thing that happened to me was um uh one time you know I was um Watching um, this podcast called Two Bears One Cave," and okay. it features um, Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer.
1: Okay, yeah, I, like, I know both of them. Yeah, and
2: um, my favorite comedians—one of or two of some of my very favorite comedians—and Bert was going on about how he started. Um, he got an on, OnlyFans account. And he's like, "Yeah, just like." Follow people and like look at people's content and learn new things or like da 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 and I jokingly thinking oh, there's no way no one's gonna interact to this and I I like, tweeted something like I will offer Burt Kreischer a free lifetime subscription to <laughs> my OnlyFans and then he replied within hours and was like. I will accept only for research purposes.
1: Oh my God, this is so funny! I was like, "What?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't reclaimed it yet, so I'm like, yeah, "I'm waiting. Come on, dude."
1: <laughs> I mean, at least he, at least you have the tweets that you can be like, this "Right,
2: right." I'm like, "I need, I need this printed and hung somewhere in my house." <laughs>
1: What are some things that you still want to accomplish in your career? Because your career is fairly young. I mean, you're technically someone who got into porn via the pandemic, which
2: right, I feel like right, right. I've been
1: talking to so many people who want to start their porn career mm-hmm. after the pandemic now. But I feel like, um, yeah, you are almost in the opposite situation. What right. are some things you still want to accomplish?
2: Um. Well, definitely... Um, shoot internationally, that would be one thing, um, and really maybe even shoot with people who I've, you know, kind of not had the opportunity to know personally beforehand and see how that pans out and testing my skills. not only as a performer but as a dom to see how I can facilitate a scene Um, and hopefully being able to produce something that's uh, enjoyable for the audience to consume out of that and just expanding the kind of content I create uh, would be a huge thing for me uh, because you know my goal is Uh, I really want to create things that align with my vision and my um, sexual preferences or interests and whatnot, but then also have a project thrown at me and be asked to be a part of something and, you know, being a collaborator, but also being someone who's a contributor, um, rather than holding the reins of the project. So yeah, I would love um, to have that experience of, you know, just not to put it blunt, just being told what to do (laughs) and being given a premise and being able to pull that off, I think would be something I would love to achieve.
1: That's really cool. It sounds like that you both want, you know, to creatively spend more on your own, but also find people that are true people you can collaborate with and really mm-hmm. bring something in creatively.
2: Right. And of course, I would not want to work with someone who's, you know, um, perspective towards BDSM or gender or sexuality that I don't agree with or I find problematic personally, but if it's outside of that and if I could really empathize and align myself with their vision, I would... Love to be brought onto a scene by them. It's
1: really cool. If you can magically change one thing in form overnight, just tomorrow, it's different. What would mm-hmm. it be? It could be big. It could be small. What would you like it uh, to be?
2: Um, I think that. Well, first of all, I just want all the censorship laws in Japan to be over with. <laughs> Um, but also I guess overall, so it might not be like specific to porn, but I just want the pandemic to magically disappear so I can travel to shoot and create more content. That's that would be like my one crazy fantasy if I were to be I mean that's
1: that's the one art. Our- are there a lot of vaccinations happening over there at
2: this point? Um, it's still frontline workers only, so I'm waiting. I'm waiting for things to turn around. And hopefully by the end of this year, I'll be, you know, um, be able to visit everyone in the Bay. Like, I miss all of you guys. And Likewise. I, I mean... I miss my friends and I miss my family. So I'm just hoping that even travel period to become an option.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. We're really starting to roll it out. I have my, I mean, my vaccination, I think in 12 hours.
2: Very cool. Yeah.
1: So excited, also nervous about just Mm -hmm. returning to life. I feel like we've all become in such a bubble and I feel like now that we're all going back into the world it's a little bit scary but
2: right right right. you
1: definitely haven't missed much not being in the bay in the last year um, (laughs) yeah that's what I've been told yeah I think um those are two good wishes I mean removing porn censorship Mm -hmm. completely obviously japan has very high censorship but
2: Mm -hmm. it could be
1: everywhere i would be down with that wish as well and then for the pandemic to be over but i had so much fun talking to you for this podcast thank you so much for coming on it oh thank you for
2: having me it's like good to see you and be able to have this conversation
1: likewise